Hello, listeners. I am Stephanie Shavera of Lapsed Podcast, and we are calling out to you to ask you to send in your confirmation name stories. Why did you pick it? Did it really piss somebody off? Or do you feel really connected to your name? Send us the story either by typing it up and sending it to lapsedpodcast at gmail.com, tagging us in a social media or direct messaging us, or recording a voice memo on your phone and sending it to us via email that way. We want to hear all the juicy details about why you chose your confirmation name. But I don't know if it's like every painful hole (laughs) that Catholicism left in me. I just want to stuff it full of all of these good people. So do yourself a favor, read a little bit about Megan Rice and stuff those Catholic holes. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm so tired. You guys, it's late. (laughs) So late. I'm Ann McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. Today, we're going to dive into some Catholicism in the news, and we're going to reply to a couple recent listener letters. I'm excited about it. Me too. We usually record on Sunday mornings, like the good Catholics that we are. It's like our church. So this is happening at 830 Eastern time, which is basically when my brain is already shut off. So this is going to be <laughs> glorious. Sorry, listeners. The advice might be a little dicey. <laughs> or it'll be the most honest thing that's ever happened. It's true. Unfiltered. <laughs> Steph, any news to share? I do. And it's something I'm, well, not excited to share, but it's on on the nice spectrum of Catholicism in the news. That's the best. Have you heard of Megan Rice? No. The nun. I believe her nun name was Sister Mary Federica or something like that. Or Frederick Mary, Martha. All of those combinations. (laughs) Just a Mary, Margaret, Martha. Yes. With a Frederick or something thrown in there. Man's name thrown in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm listening. I I love a nun story. I know that you do. She was arrested for her activism, her peace activism. Great. So she helped to try and shut down a uranium plant. Hmm. During her jury trial, Rice defended her decision to break into the Oak Ridge uranium facility as an attempt to stop manufacturing that can only cause death, according to a trial transcript. I had to do it, she said, of her decision to break the law. My guilt is that I waited 70 years to be able to speak what I knew in my conscience. So unfortunately, the reason she's in the news is that she she died at the age of 91 on October 10th. She was in Pennsylvania, so I feel especially connected to her at the moment. Um, her order was the Society of the Holy Child Jesus, which I'm not familiar with that order. There's so many, so many orders. Yeah. Very inspired by Dorothy Day. Love it. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably know what Dorothy Day is, but if not, we should probably have a whole episode about Dorothy Day. So I feel like Dorothy Day is one of those people who I have 
general good feelings about, but I don't know enough about. I don't feel like we learned enough about her in high school. I'm a little nervous to learn that like she's very problematic and I I <laughs> I mean, listen, it's the Catholic Church. You're going to run into some things. I know. But Bill Cosby just ruined everything for me. I'm nervous. <laughs> Everyone I liked as a child is going to be horrible. Oh, sad. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to everyone that I even mentioned him in this <laughs> talk about this wonderful woman. But basically, she was, you know, just always drawn to the peace movement and had a great education and just, I, I mean, everything about her that I, I was able to find was pretty remarkable. NPR had a, a nice little thing about her. And it was a lot of quotes from the Catholic Agitator, which I actually don't know, but I love that title. Ooh. I'm guessing it's an activist Catholic. I want to be a Catholic Agitator. I know. I mean, if, I were a, if I were a practicing Catholic, I, I'd like to think I was a Catholic Agitator. Right? Mm -hmm. So I need to like, I don't know, get on that and start researching that more so rest in peace sister megan rice but she she served four years i believe for her for what she did wow i mean i i yeah i, I love an activist nun i just think it's the best same <laughs> i just joined some kind of facebook fan club group for the nuns on the bus oh yes big healthcare reform activists mm -hmm. as well as other things i think but that's sort of what they were known for and Man, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm into it. Unlike um, you, I was not told about Catholic social justice movements. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn about that till basically I'd already decided not to be part of the church. I wish somebody had told me about it sooner. Um, like Daniel Berrigan, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Berrigan, do you know him? Mm -mm. I want to have a whole episode about him, so I'm not going to go into too much now, but he was very big in, in the in Vietnam protests as well. He's a Jesuit oh. priest because you know I love the Jesuits. I love the Jesuit. You really do. But I can't stop eating it up, and I don't know if it's like every painful hole <laughs> that Catholicism left in me. I just want to stuff it full of all of these good people. So do yourself a favor, read a little bit about Megan Rice and stuff those Catholic <laughs> saying anymore so you tired. guys it's late <laughs> so late oh, all right well you know what i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna keep it that this note of the catholic agitators because have you uh read anything about your buddy francis lately i have not oh stuff i've got some stuff to share with you that i think you're gonna be pretty jazzed about i thought you were gonna bring this to me so i'm really excited for you right it's been a busy week. I didn't read the news too much. <laughs> well, conservative Catholics are in a tizzy. Oh, I love Jesus. it. I know. When I saw that, I was like, well, something good must have happened. So here's what I gathered from the articles I read. Mm -hmm. Recently, there was the fourth world meeting of popular movements. I did not know what this was. It's a Catholic thing that Francis started. He wanted to create an encounter, quote unquote, between church leadership and grassroots organizations working to address the, quote, economy of exclusion and inequality oh. by working for structural changes that promote social, economic and racial justice. So it's Pope Francis and a bunch of bishops meeting with Catholics organizations i don't know there might be some secular organizations but i think a lot of catholic run organizations that are tackling social justice issues mm. so that's something he created i guess this is the fourth one that's happened oh. and this one was virtual so there's video of his address to people because it was all virtual obviously because of covid 
because it is an international event. Although I think the first one took place in California. I don't know. I'm not clear if they've all, (laughs) I looked it up. The website looks like it has not been updated since before the first one. So maybe Catholic (laughs) Catholic church needs like a (laughs) new web developer or something because it was like register for the 2017. I was like, hold up. (laughs) Doesn't matter. All right. So Steph, well, I'm going to put in the show notes. You are going to watch the video and you're going to be really happy. Okay. So I'm going to give you some highlights. Yes. He starts it off, Steph. He starts it off by saying, dear social poets. Ooh, hello. This is like an encyclical. Like it's written, but it also is a video that he, I believe, I'll be honest, I only read it. I haven't watched it because it's subtitles and I was like, I'm just going to read it. Yeah. But it's like a letter he read aloud to the group, basically. So now you can see it or you can read it. So this is what he said. Yeah, he says at the beginning, this is what I like to call you, social poets. You are social poets because you have the ability and the courage to create hope where there appears to be only waste and exclusion. Poetry means creativity and you create hope. So already, right? He's got us. The way he uses those little words of his, it gets me so excited. I know. I thought about your thing about the new alphabets that you enjoyed from him. Yeah, he really does. He does have a way with words. And he sort of goes on to say, like, in these months, he says the things you've been denouncing have become really obvious, like the inequalities that afflict us. He says it has exposed the heartbreaking situation of so many brothers and sisters, the situation that so many post-truth mechanisms have been unable to conceal. So he's getting into it. He gets truth. He comes back to this, these post-truth, this I like lying, basically. Yes. (laughs) The media (laughs) lying. So there's three sections. The first section was called Dear Social Poets. The second section is called The Blessed. And he references the Beatitudes that blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are they, you know, the Beatitudes. And so he is saying here, I'll, I'll read you a little bit of this. He says, we also experience resistance to the changes we need and long for many forms of resistance that run deep that are rooted beyond our strength and decisions. And he says, they are what the social teaching of the church calls structures of sin. So he's basically talking about structural inequalities. Mm. So he's talking about sin in a way that, man, I find way more useful, right? Not as like personal sin, but talking about the systemic sin being within these systemic inequities. Yes. Those are sort of structures of sin, he calls them, which again, I believe he's pulling just from the social teaching of the church that already exists. And he kind of references that later. He says, these two, we are called to change and we cannot overlook them in the moment of thinking of how to act. Personal change is necessary, but it is also indispensable to adjust our socioeconomic models so that they have a human face because many models have lost it. He says, and thinking about these situations, I make a pest of myself with my questions and I go on asking (laughs) and I ask everyone in the name of God. So then he starts this litany. He's making a pest of himself. He has announced this. Okay. Well, there's two things. This is the first part that really got the conservatives wound up. Mm -hmm. So he has this litany where he says, I ask all the great pharmaceutical laboratories to release the patents. (gasps) This is the language he's using. He went right for that. He went for it. He said, make a gesture of humanity. I was not expecting that. He says, allow everyone to have access to the vaccines. He is saying that. So- just to be clear, like not only Catholics who are saying you don't want to take the vaccine because somehow you believe it's connected to abortion and you're because it was developed many years ago in something 
that use stem cells. Ay, ay, ay. He's saying like, no, pro-vaccine and it should be free to everyone in the whole world. Yeah. Medicine should not be elite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, can we just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Next one, Steph, he says, in the name of God, I ask financial groups and international credit unions to allow poor countries to assure the basic needs of their people and to cancel those debts that are contracted against the interests of these same peoples. <gasps> so he's asking for free vaccines in the name of God. He's he's asking for this. I mean, if you firmly believe in God and God put stuff on this planet for you to like help each other, that makes kind of mathematical sense. <laughs> too much sense. He's making too much sense. <laughs> The next one, he says, in the name of God, I ask the great extractive industries, mining, oil, forestry, real estate, agribusiness to stop destroying the earth, basically. Okay. Uh, the next one, in the name of God, I ask great food corporations to stop imposing monopolistic systems of production and distribution. Are you hearing that, Bill Gates? Right. <laughs> uh, in the name of God, I ask arms manufacturers and dealers to completely stop activity. He's saying stop making guns. In the whole world. There's one thing I, I firmly believe God is not a fan of. It is guns. But that's just don't get that lot. <laughs> I mean, he just went for it. I love in America. We're like, listen, like Democrats, we're like, we're not trying to take your guns. Pope's like, no more guns in the whole. No more guns. And the whole earth. <laughs> He's, you know, I mean, if you're going to ask, no. you might as well go for the thing you want. For real. Okay. Next one. There's a couple more. In the name of God, I asked technology giants to stop exploiting human weakness people's vulnerability for the sake of profits without caring about the spread of hate speech, grooming, fake news, conspiracy theories, and political manipulation. Holy moly. I know. Francis is not messing around. Okay, next one. Uh, I asked telecommunications giants to ease access of educational materials and the connectivity for teachers via the internet. He's talking about children being educated under quarantine. Uh, Yeah. In the name of God, I ask the media to stop the logic of post-truth, disinformation, defamation, slander, and the unhealthy attraction to dirt and scandal and to contribute to human fraternity and empathy with those who are most deeply damaged. Well, the news would go out of business if it didn't happen. Calling for an end to fake news. Next one is about neocolonialism. The end of neocolonialism. Conflicts must be resolved in multilateral fora such as the United Nations. He really knows my love language. Yeah. This is crazy. This is why I, I was worried you'd already read it and you were going to no. be like, <laughs> That's the last in the name of God. Then he says this system with its relentless logic of profit is escaping all human control. It's time to slow the locomotive. Mo- it's time to slow the locomotive down. <laughs> Locomotion with <laughs> an out of control locomotive hurtling toward the abyss. There's still time. Wait, 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 wait. He called neocolonialism the locomotive. Uh-huh. Okay, I wanted to make sure I got the metaphor. With its relentless logic of profit. So it sounds like he's talking about capitalism to me as a runaway train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, together with the poor of the earth, and he asked politicians of all parties to represent their people and work for the common good. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh huh, and he asks all religious leaders never to use the name of God to foment wars or coups. Mm. And then he says, "And so I persist in my pestering." Good trouble, right? What are your thoughts? No, oh, I'm just. I'm. I mean, I'm a little who worked up, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you seen the meme of the, the nuns fanning herself? It's a little it's <laughs> like, oh. Well, I'm thinking about those like nuns you have that were like freaking out over JP too. Yeah. And we're just like, ah! that's Steph. That's Steph with a picture of Francis. Yes. Just speak more words, Francis. Speak more words. We've talked a lot about how the Pope is uniquely positioned in the world above many other religious leaders, especially I think it's so funny in America, too, because Catholicism has been so late to the acceptance table in our history mm-hmm. that even here, like Pope, the Pope is still the Pope is still the Pope. <laughs> like it just is. So the when the Pope, the person occupying that position is coming out on what I feel very firmly is the right side of history. It is exciting. It's mm-hmm. he's not for once not sort of speaking to both sides of the issue. I don't know. Maybe there's more to the speech that he like. You're gonna be like, and then he goes on to say, <laughs> "There's a little in the next thing he says. There's a little equivocating. There's also stuff yeah. he's not saying right. And I hate listen. I hate to be this person. Also, I feel like this is the way to to do the work right. He's not talking about. He doesn't talk about gender and he doesn't talk about sexual orientation and those things. Right are like gender violence and uh mm-hmm. sexual orientation and lgbtq folks those those are all important things that he's not talking about right but he's talking about a lot of important stuff the systems right like who is doing the most harm i guess it would be hard to be like can you pinpoint to one group that's doing the most harm to lgbtq i guess the catholic church itself i don't know <laughs> oh yeah so i mean yes he's calling out systems he's saying it's it's larger than one person or one group it's embedded and when you start hacking away at capitalism a lot of other stuff is going to shake loose because right? capitalism holds up so many of these other systems just sort of unfettered capitalism like he's talking about right where the main focus is profit without any consideration for humanity right i mentioned on here before that like gardening is where i go to church for myself Mm -hmm. now and i went on a tirade it was just this morning about people who are not willing to share seeds Mm. and i've learned a lot rowan white is an, an indigenous writer and seed sharer and just wonderful in terms of all things that are growing and I read her a lot and this idea of like making seeds something you have to buy or people putting patents on seeds Mm -hmm. so that they can't right it's like something that's in the earth and then you're just like no it's my earth you can't have it you have to buy Mm -hmm. it it's relatively new in terms of agriculture right the seeds were there we found them right and there's a lot that's just like really present in my mind as you're telling me all of this. And so the idea, you know, to go from pharmaceuticals to climate change to the news right right now that those all seem very intricately linked. And in my head, I'm like mm-hmm. seeing this like image of a seed while you're ta- telling me that whole speech. Cause I'm like, it's all the same thing. It's all like this way we've abused one another through capitalism, through unkindness <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. and keeping things for myself for for greed and power and I love that he's addressing that and I I do appreciate his actions like he he doesn't say all this and then live in the you know pope's palace right he like has right. a tiny little apartment he like he really I think as much as he a person can in that position tries to walk the talk mm-hmm. of that aspect of what he's doing I would love to see 
if he comes out for like a plan, like what can company, like what can people right. do? And I don't know if he, I mean, how do you dismantle a system? I, I don't know the answer. Right. But even just leveraging the power he has, right? That when he says yeah. something, I mean, it does have people in a tizzy. That's good. Yeah. What, what, what are they upset about? Tell that me. That means they do this third part because they obviously that caused a lot of, I mean, he just knocked down a lot of systems that people uh, mm-hmm. don't want to be messed with. It's like, those are our donors. Be quiet. <sighs> right. Listen. <laughs> You and I have both worked in talking a to you theater. We've, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. All right. Um, so he says he's talking about this moment that we're in, you know, kind of being in this pandemic and kind of coming out and making decisions about how we're going to move forward. He said, how will we emerge from this crisis, better or worse? And he says, of course, we want to come out better. But to do so, we have to break the bonds of what is easy and the docile acceptance that there is no other way. And this is the only possible system. Such resignation destroys us and substitutes the isolation of every man for himself. Mm-hmm. And so we must dream. He says, it worries me that while we're still paralyzed, there are already projects underway to restore the same socioeconomic structure we had before because it is easier. Let us choose the different path. Let us come out better. So he starts talking about the Good Samaritan then, Mm -hmm. the Good Samaritan, right? Which I think, I don't even know that we need to explain that one. I think most people are familiar with the the stranger, but the Samaritan specifically being the person who's sort of the outcast. This is to the answer to the question, right? When that Jesus was asked is who is my neighbor? And he sort Mm -hmm. of tells the story of two kind of respectable people walking past this guy who's been robbed and the third right. kind of outsider, the Samaritan being the one who stops. And he says, so are you ready, Steph? Oh my gosh. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> he says, do you know what comes to mind now when together with popular movements, I think of the good Samaritan. Do you know what comes to mind? The protest over the death of George Floyd. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Right? So he does say, so this is his little bit of equivocating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's here it is. He says, it is clear that this type of reaction against social, racial, or macho injustice can be manipulated or exploited by political machinations or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know the actual language he used. Wait, I'm sorry. We talked about locomotives. We were talking about <laughs> P poets. What or whatever. <laughs> He's throwing them that little bit of like, oh. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it's almost like when you're talking to conservatives and you're like, like he's trying to be like, okay, yeah, someone I guess could kind of take this and manipulate it for their own purposes or whatever. Like huh. he's kind of throwing them that bone, it feels. Anywho, he's I'm going to pretend he like circled it and was like, I'll come up with the right word later. And then was like, oh or shit, I whatever. <laughs> I don't know the original. I'd like to watch the video so I can see or what that whatever. looks like. <laughs> Uh, he says but the main thing is that in the protest against this death there was the collective samaritan who is no fool this movement did not pass by on the other side of the road when it saw the injury to human dignity caused by an abuse of power the popular movements are not only social poets but also collective samaritans Ooh, yeah he did it he calls black lives matter the good samaritan the pope just did that okay that had people freaking out in the right, wow. the right wing Catholics. And I, th- another thing that he says, and, um, and he goes, he goes kind of deeper into stuff, but 
I do like that he says, he says, sometimes when the popes, be it myself or Benedict or John Paul II, you know he's saying it's him. Yeah. Say something. There are people who wonder, where did he get it from? It is the traditional teaching of the church. There is a lot of ignorance about this. The principles I expound are in this compendium commissioned by St. John Paul II. I recommend that you read it. Ooh. You and all social, trade union, religious, political, and business leaders. Trade union. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about workers, right? He does talk. Oh, I don't even have this written down in my notes, but he talks about a universal wage for the whole world. Yeah. A universal income that everyone gets. And he talks about a shorter work day. Well, I, yes. He was like, people used to be working in developed countries. People were working, you know, constantly. And then we had trade unions come make adjustments. And now people in lots of countries, although listen, in lots of globally, people are still working around the clock for nothing. But Mm -hmm. he was like, you know, we have places where there's trade unions and people are working, okay, 40 hours a week, but why 40? He was like, what if we're, what if we had people working less? Like why, why are people away from their family so much? They should all be getting universal income and they should be working less. I'm like, I'm here for that. Yes. Well, I mean, that is, if you're going to say family is so freaking important to you, then like make it happen. Let's go hang out with your family. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that he's like, what he's basically saying is, listen, everyone is like, oh, Pope Francis is so progressive. But these have been the church teachings forever. I'm just saying them out loud. These are not new. I mean, okay, that answered one question I think I've brought up before. I'm like, when you they say things like what happens, like where is it coming from? Like I've asked that out loud before. So mm-hmm. like that answers that question. But I love that he's like, oh, you think I'm making this up? You all okayed it. <laughs> Maybe you should go back and read what your buddy <laughs> John Paul the yeah. two said because you weren't freaking out about it when he was saying it, but suddenly when I'm saying it, I'm like a crazy socialist. Right. Which he sounds a little like a socialist, but in a good way. Well, yes, and that's what I'm here for. <laughs> but yeah, I mean to say, I mean whatever the every those bracelets with everything like it's like what was Jesus actually saying? Like this is what he's actually like this is well, what the Bible says. He does say that somewhere too. He's like, this isn't about church doctrine. This is about the gospels. Yeah. He's like, I'm not saying anything outside of what I see in the gospels. So, you know, and then he does that. I'm not going to go into this, but he talks about in the next chapter four of this document, he says, we find principles such as the preferential option for the poor, the universal destination of goods, solidarity, subsidiarity, which I don't understand as well. I'll be honest, participation and the common good. I believe that's the stuff he's saying that John Paul II talked about. And that's like what he's drawing from. Mm. Talks a lot about solidarity then. But yeah, I mean, listen, I have my complicated feelings about Francis, and I still do, but I'm very excited about this. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, if you just take it as a piece of literature, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, he was talking to the right audience. He was virtual, but I'm sure he was getting cheers from people in there. Do you think there were some, like, really snotty bishops that were like, Oh, I think the bishop. I'm going to turn my screen off, or I'm going to, like, put a <laughs> boo emoji <laughs> in my Zoom. <laughs> Probably they just sat there and were very like, oh, his holiness, because that's the Pope. And then after they turned off their screen, they were like, I totally BS socialist. Private messaging each other. (laughs) So petty. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I'm sure that is what they were doing. Well, hey, Catholicism in the news, the nice version. It was. It was. Hey, it's not, we don't make it up. We're just. It's up to Catholics to do it themselves. Yeah. I mean, I saw that Nancy Pelosi recently met with the Pope, too, and Biden will be meeting with the Pope next week. Oh, there was something about the, his, like, 
whole should not be denied communion thing, right? Top Vatican Cardinal says Biden should not be denied communion. Oh, yes. I saw that. Yeah. And there's been some more kind of writing about it and, um, you know, opinion pieces and things. Right. But it's like Francis, he hasn't. I don't feel like he's ever answered directly when asked, like, should these bishops be denying communion? I think his response over and over is like they need to be pastoral rather than politicians. Right. Like they're not. Right. I like that. All right. Thanks, Francis. Woo. We got a couple uh, quick emails. I'm going to read to you. Just some notes. These are not questions so much as just thoughts people had. And I thought they were great. Great. And then we have a question. Ooh. We got an email from a listener named Lisa. Mm. She says, until you mentioned it, I never thought of it as a feminine view of God or even breastfeeding at all. Mm. But she does name the verse. She says, you said it. And I was like, huh. And a few seconds later, a light bulb went off and brought me to tears. Oh, that's so nice. So it is Isaiah 4915. Okay. Hang on. Let me pull that up. Thank you so much for sharing this. I'm so excited. No. So Isaiah 49, 15, I don't know which version of the Bible this is, but it says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. I guess the idea is like God, I think this is God talking to Israel. God saying like, God is less likely to forget Israel than a a mother, kind of God comparing God's self to a mother Mother. breastfeeding her child. I like that. Kind of nice. Yeah. So thank you. Yes, that is not an image I was ever given. No, I don't remember that no. from mass. Mm-mm. So thanks, Lisa. That was great. I did. I think I said like, hey, if someone, I think there's breastfeeding in the Bible, someone knows. And she knew. And so I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks for doing my homework for me. <laughs> um, this is a, this is an irritating one because it goes along with uh, our last episode, which is about oh. sex education. Ooh. So this is from Heidi listener Heidi in Michigan. She says, hi, Stephanie and Ann. Thanks so much for your podcast. I've really been enjoying it. Yay. I got worked up around the same time you did in your most recent podcast. (laughs) It's a lot of getting worked up. While talking through the list of questions about sex and contraception from a natural family planning website, it made me think of the most backwards Catholic logic I ever heard on this topic, unfortunately recently, from a young single laywoman who was probably parroting some conservative priest. When she asked a female doctor who was promoting women's health care, doesn't contraception – oh, Steph. Already. Doesn't contraception use – promote domestic violence because it takes away the consequences huh what wait what (laughs) i think wait 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 (laughs) it takes away the consequences of a child i think she is saying won't a husband be more likely to rape his wife (gasps) if he's not worried about babies the answer to that is no yeah i think if you're gonna rape your wife you don't really think all the way through all that and right exactly and in fact lots of men will use pregnancy and children as a way to manipulate their partner into staying with them because when you have an abusive partner there is extra reason to be afraid of divorcing them or leaving them because they could they will finances still have finances they legally will have access to the children without you so how many women who are being abused think well it's better to be in the in the house where i can protect my kids than have to leave them with this abusive person because oftentimes courts aren't recognizing that the abuse is happening and lots of children have to go to their abusive parent without their non-abusive parent so there are so many things running through my head right now. But like mm. also if you're 
in a relationship, because like the domestic abuse is not going to come after this child that was not prevented by the lack of contraception, right? If, if this is the logic we're following, right? Like the contraception was not used. There's not there. There is any logic to this because this is bananas. Um, so the relationships, a baby isn't going to stop an abuser. Why would you want a child in that environment if you could? What? 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 <laughs> You want the child to have an abusive parent. Now, not only do you have an abusive partner, but now there's another child with an abusive parent. This concept of like having more children over over all else is so freaking backwards. <sighs> and the baby, man, that just makes me so sad. The idea of a child is a consequence. Yeah. Children don't want to feel like consequences. No. They want to feel like people who are who were wanted and were a- wanted and chosen. Yeah. Wanted or chosen or whatever the case may be. Oh my goodness. Well, Ugh. I mean, I uh, don't want <laughs> thank you for sharing. But the fact that again, this is still being talked about this way. This is still a thought that is out there is it's very frightening, this kind of backwards logic. I mean, what is it, California? California? The stereotypical liberal state just made it a crime for spousal rape, I believe. Like two states just figured it out. Yeah. I think it was California. Anyway. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're here. We're working on this. Okay, great. Sex ed and Catholicism are always going to get me all riled back up. All the positive Catholicism in the news in the world <laughs> cannot, cannot cancel out I this, know. this toxic stuff around sex and gender and birth control and all this nope. stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. <laughs> So we have a voice memo from a listener. I'm so excited. All right, I'm going to play it. Okay, great. And then we can respond. Hi, Anne and Steph. This is Moira in Dublin, Ireland. So Ireland was a very strongly Catholic country, but years of horrific sex abuse scandals means that most people under the age of 50 are lapsed and only elderly people go to mass. But the Catholic Church owns the majority of the school in Ireland. Um, of the primary schools anyway and communion and confirmation are part of the curriculum and really they're an important cultural points and rites of passage here. Um, My own views are so divergent from the Catholic ethos but I love the ceremony and I love the pomp around communion and that rite of passage so in the context of my children um, and whether they should get communion or not so on a scale of like one to Pope Francis trying to place himself as an LGBT ally. How hypocritical is it to have my kids receive the sacrament of communion when like most of the kids in their class will be doing the same and their parents also will not be religious. Um, so let me know. My mom told me that she thinks it would be very hypocritical. She is very religious. Um, and I kind of agree with her, but I also don't want to give it up. Mm. Let me know. Oh, man, that brought there's so much I want to address in that. I know. Thank you, Moira. Thank you. I know Moira. I don't know if I should mention that. You do? <laughs> Moira and I are in a Facebook moms group together oh. and have bonded a little bit over our, our lapsed Catholicism, am... but in these really different contexts. I'm so excited. Although I was a little sad we don't have just like a random Irish listener, but it's okay. Pop my bubbles, Anne. I, uh, 
you know, something that strikes me is just how very different the context is when you're in a majority Catholic country, Mm -hmm. so strongly Catholic country, where most kids are in Catholic school. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really different context than even even me growing up in a very Irish American Catholic neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It is different because I can leave that. I'm raising my kids now to be like where they're not surrounded by Catholics, but it's a very different context to be in a place where most people are Catholics or on some scale of like being a lapsed Catholic. Right. And it's so part of the larger culture. Uh huh. I love that scale she gave us. I'm going to use that for other things. Everything should be on a scale of one to <laughs> Pope Francis. Because <laughs> we just mentioned it too. So it was great. I'm loving that. I mean, okay. My gut reaction is – I don't think you should be afraid of being called hypocritical by Catholics because <clears throat> track record. <laughs> Even if it's your mom and you love her a Even lot. if it's your mom, but like the Catholic church, mm, uh, let's, mm-hmm. yeah, kettles right. and pots. But I think us, I don't yet have children and that so many people have told me, but once you have children, you're going to want them to have all these rites of passages that you had. I don't know how I'm going to feel when that happens. I can only imagine it, but it's, I, I think I've witnessed a lot of people and even your story of like, I think you weren't going to church as much before Mac was born. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. And I really, I wasn't going to church at all and I baptized him. Yeah. Catholic. <laughs> so. Once you have kids, you want to give them community and you want to give them some, a place to reflect on their morals and ethics in the world with yeah. other people. And so it makes sense that once you have a child, you're drawn back into our church um, that does make sense to me. But I also – we've gone over this a lot about what you get to decide about the church because I think when we're raised in the church, we don't feel like we have any real autonomy within it. Like it's their way or there's no other choices. At least that's what I believed. And now having my conversation with Kay, I've started to expand what I think I can say no to and what I can say yes mm. to. Mm-hmm. And I've shared on here – before that I'm in classes and working through the process to become like a resource foster parent. And actually we were talking about this today at our class, which is the reason we're recording slate, about when you have a a child come into your home that like holidays and things like that are particularly hard times, right? And a huge thing, a, a one useful tool is creating new traditions and having everyone decide on those new traditions. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped paying attention to what my our teacher or caseworker was saying for a while because I started like fantasizing and thinking about that because I, oh. I actually, I mean, I think that's what all families do, right? You start yeah. making your own, you make your own traditions, you do spins, you combine, you know, two caregivers, two parents maybe and what they were raised with or you say I really hated what I was raised with so let's make some completely new ones but I think always they have traces of something that you did yourself right because we could only we I mean there's only so many I guess like there's only so many stories in the world there's only so many ways we can do things we just riff on the same things so Mm -hmm. I think a rite of passage is Oh, gosh, they're so beautiful. And we've talked about in America, we're so tradition poor. We're so – we don't have those things. So I think as long – again, I I feel like we've maybe said this, but I think as long as everything's sort of coupled with a little bit of both sides and maybe your children even get a choice in the matter, 
because Seven is, I'm, I, I'm assuming at this point that Moira's child is of the same age we get our first communion yes. in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's enough time if you say like, you know, what's your, what is your personal belief system at this point? And do you want to do this? I don't think that's often a choice that's given most seven-year-olds. And so I think inviting them to the table while you're making this decision is a great step to figuring out what it is you want to do. I can't tell you. I don't think I feel like I can prescribe anything to you. But if you decide not to do it, as you've pointed out, a rite of passage is super important. So maybe make up your own. Yeah. Find a couple other families that are like-minded and come up with your own version of something. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I had listened to this question when it came into our inbox, but it wasn't until just now as you were talking before you even said it that I thought, oh, she could just ask her kids Mm -hmm. what they want to do. It can be hard sometimes or you can feel like, oh, am I going to, um, I think there is still a fear that you're talking to a kid with a limited understanding and that maybe when they are older, they'll say like, oh, why did you? Yeah. Why did you listen to me? I was seven. Right. I should have done this or I shouldn't have done this. Mm -hmm. But I think engaging your your kid in the conversation, Mm -hmm. talking through kind of your thoughts about it, because that can also just lead to some great conversations with your kid. Mm -hmm. Like this is something I'm struggling with. I think, you know, this has come up before in the question about parenting and you don't want to seem like you're a mess and need your kid to take care care of you around it. Right. Like they're not doing the parenting. But that's not what's happening here, right? It's just, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about this. I'm just wondering about it because Mm -hmm. this is something that I enjoyed as a kid and it felt important to me. And it was fun and it felt like I was part of a community and it felt like I was getting older Mm -hmm. and I loved that. But there are things about the church I don't really love and they're different than the values that I know our family has. And so I'm just thinking about it. And what are your thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. It can lead to a great conversation, you know, or a series of conversations. Yeah. I mean, if Mac already knows he doesn't think Jesus was real. (laughs) You know, that could shift. Uh, He is very into... It's so interesting, and this is a sidebar, but he's really into the elements right now, and he told me that he doesn't believe in God. He believes in the power of nature, and he thinks nature created everything, and the the elements help nature along. And it's so interesting because I, I mean, I said to him, like, you know, basically before Christianity, Judaism, Islam, like before the the monotheistic religions, the, some version of, of a nature-based religion was the religion, like, across the whole world mm-hmm. right like if you look at any traditional or indigenous religion yes. it was really rooted in in nature in the four elements i mean so many different traditions right have this recognition of the four elements so it's just fascinating to me because i think he does get some of this stuff from books or from shows but i think there just feels to me like maybe there is something so innate in us that and that is bubbling it. up in him and about the power of the elements and mm-hmm. the power of nature that is like yeah this is this is just such a human thing and it's just coming up because he's right. little and observing the world. So yeah, these our kids are like these right. little fonts of knowledge sometimes and wisdom. Well, I guess and if like let's say that your dad right who we knew was an atheist was like my daughter very very, very low key an atheist. Right? My daughter's not going to have a communion. Mhm. Like, let's say that was a reality for you. And now you're looking back all these years later and you did not have your first Holy Communion. How do you think you would feel Mm, about it? That is a good question. 
I think now, I think now I don't think I would care very much, but... At the time. Yeah, I think at the time I probably would have said I wanted to do it because it felt like a fun thing. Mm -hmm. I think there is something to be said about doing something that everyone else is doing. Right. That there's just something everyone in school is doing it. Your friends are doing it. You get to to talk about it together and talk about the parties you're going to have and what kind of cake you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, listen, there's always parts, even if you're not, uh, don't subscribe to Catholicism or Christianity at all. I think there are still parts of the story that are useful, right? Of this guy, this guy, Jesus, who said that we should all be kind to each other, whether people are important or have money or not. And um, he made people so angry that that i mean the part about the killing part we take way too casually with kids i i it's <laughs> i yes it's really right it's just like well the torture <laughs> yeah yeah the first time my son saw a, a cross or a crucifix in a book that we had gotten about easter or something from a family member and he said what's that i was like oh sometimes the state executes people like how do i how do i have this conversation i saw recently that i don't know just on a facebook post someone who went to a catholic wedding and their child little kid two or three year old was so scared of the man with the boo-boos on the front the scary man with the boo-boos on the front of the it's It's so scary looking it looks like a horror movie i mean there's so many yeah all these other religions with all these beautiful symbols and we choose the one that means like gruesome death it's true. Although one of the first uh, sermons that kind of got me back interested in Christianity was at this church in Austin where Jim Rigby, the Presbyterian minister, because I was very much of this like, yeah, Christians are so obsessed with the death and crucifixion and it's weird. And he said, he said something to the effect of the crucifixion means for something very different when you are a person who, who, who is oppressed in society, mm. that it, it feels like solidarity. It can feel like solidarity. Yeah. Okay. And I had never thought of that. So I think there's a lot there. Sorry, Moira, we're getting into a lot of yeah. places. Uh- <laughs> what, as we're talking, I was like, okay, the thing is, the uh, since the Catholic Church has the monopoly on the schools, you are limited in your choice of where to send your kid, right? So mm-hmm. not nice Catholic schools for doing that, right? So you're limited. And I'm, then I started thinking while you were, you were at, responding about how you would have felt at the time. I thought about like when I was my most staunchly anti-Catholic, not just like lapsed, but I was like, I refuse. I I hate all this. I was like my angriest. Anytime I visited my grandma, I still went to church. And someone asked me like, how can you go to church if you like are so anti-Catholic church? And I said, well, it doesn't hurt me to go. Like I can tune it out or whatever. And it does a world of good for my grandma. Mm-hmm. she loves having me there and I love that woman or I loved that woman I'd do anything so for me I was like I can and for the most part the majority of homilies were not offensive but every once in a while but I, I didn't have to really pay attention so I went because it made somebody around me feel good mm-hmm. yes I guess somebody could call me hypocritical for going but to me that it just wasn't the point I wasn't I don't know. It wasn't a protest moment. It was just me doing something good for my grandma. Mm -hmm. So if your children are looking around and everyone else is doing it and there's no real other options for them to have a community of school children because everyone's in a Catholic school, then will it do them a ton of harm to participate? I don't think Mm -hmm. so. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think I'm going to come back to this idea that, especially if you went through the stuff, like my thing about being as a lapsed Catholic is I feel like we have still earned, we've earned the right to take the parts of the church that work for us and yeah. continue to use them. I do firmly believe that, mm-hmm. right? Even if I'm a lapsed Catholic, if saying a rosary is calming for me i can do that if i'm still into the virgin mary i get to be into that it's like you were given your whole life experiences gave you all these options of tools for how to be in the world and you get to choose which ones you want to use and when you want to use them as an adult Mm -hmm. yeah so i think talk to your kid about it yeah i think it could be an interesting conversation probably you already have to be honest yeah you know continue maybe that conversation with your kid i don't think it next like to answer your question am i a hypocrite I don't think it makes you a hypocrite to have your kid no. do the first communion if you feel that it is meaningful to you and your family and mm-hmm. brings you a sense of peace or just brings you really cute, adorable right. kid in a fancy suit or dress. And you can like write out that speech of Francis's that he gave all over like a communion dress as a sort of protest in the middle of it. And that would be rad as hell. Communion protest yes. dress. Let's do like an AOC. Yes. An AOC Met Gala moment. I mean, make it your own. That would be, you know, down the just down the veil. Like, well, the Pope said it, so come at me, priest. It's a it's a popal letter. What are you gonna? Want you not answer this? Uh, All right, I love that. If you do that, definitely you have to send us a picture. I require it. Great. Well, I'm so grateful that you sent that in, Moira, and also continuing to expand the conversation outside of the American version of Catholicism is is helpful. Yes. I mean, that's the interesting thing about Catholicism, right, is that it's globally everyone's having a very similar mass every day, and that is pretty remarkable. It's wild. And and having these similar experiences even all across the globe. Mm -hmm. So it's very cool. Well, thank you Um, for our – Listening to our our wee little episode. Well, turned a little long. (laughs) (laughs) We can't do short. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we we want to uh, pass around that virtual collection basket Mm -hmm. this week. Sort of inspired by Pope Francis referring to Black Lives Matter as Good Samaritans, we want to talk about racial justice. So we are going to encourage folks to donate to the Equal Justice Initiative. The Equal Justice Initiative is committed to ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the United States, to challenging racial and economic injustice, and to protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. I feel like this is very much in line with Pope Francis's recent speech. Yeah, so we will have that in the show notes. Great. And please subscribe to us on all the pod places. Um, and if that pod place lets you review, please review. Say something nice if you if you like. And if you don't have anything nice to say, frankly, I don't understand why you're listening to us. <laughs> True. It's a lot of time right? to give to something you're not into. It's weird. So. But anyway, please tell your friends. Myra, you know, tell a few more people in Ireland. <laughs> Send us those voicemails. I feel like Moira set an excellent bar Yes, for sending us voice memos. Email them to us. Record on your phone and email. Maybe we can get another international one or from the U.S. We're happy. Just, you know, send them in. We love them. Send them them in. Well, Steph, we ready to go get some sleep. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steph. 
also with you. And also with you, Anne.